1: And welcome to yet another episode of the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mark Duffy, and alongside me as always, Ben Aiton. Hello. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm not bad, mate. How are you? Yeah, very good, especially after the weekend. Uh, Good result in my eyes, which we'll obviously touch upon uh, in this podcast coming up. But um, yeah, overall good and looking forward to Thursday. Yeah, no, definitely
0: Um, looking forward to having another game to watch.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. coming thick and fast now. Before we do start um, talking about the result of the weekend, I just want to start off with a couple of thank yous. So firstly, and I think most importantly, thank you very much for those who listened first time round. Like when me and Ben talked about the idea of starting a podcast together, you know, we won't go into the detail of how many have listened, but let's just say we didn't expect the sort of, Um, listeners that we've had, the uh, volume of listeners, the interaction we've had. um, We we just didn't expect it, did we, Ben?
0: Not really. We were just doing it for a bit of a laugh. I think lockdown got to us and we were getting a bit bored and it was like, what can we do? And then we came up with this idea. But yeah, overwhelmed with the amount of people who's got in touch, um, given us really good feedback as well and things that we can work on. and, And yeah, and hopefully we can carry doing this and keep growing.
1: Yeah, that's the plan, that's the plan. So if you've tuned in for episode two, thank you very much for listening to episode one and continuing our, your journey with us. Or if this is the first time that you're listening, we really hope you enjoy what's ahead. And uh, maybe if you've got time to kill, uh, maybe perhaps you're not at work, you're furloughed or something, go and give episode one a listen to and, uh, and we'll really appreciate it. Uh, and then the second go- um, thank you I want to give out is to the guys at from the Rookery M podcast. Um, I don't know if many people saw it. I, I believe that they did because we had such a sort of big wave of listeners after they put the tweet out. But they put a tweet out, including ourselves, and I believe it was seven other podcasts that Watford do. Yeah. Now, obviously, everyone knows from the Rookery <laughs> End, of, if memory serves me correctly, they were the first real, well, they were the first Watford podcast to come around, and they've done superbly well on it. And Over you know, 10 years paid...
0: worth of content they've had now. Exactly. It's so, you know,
1: for, for those guys to give us, not just us, but all the other Watford podcasts to shout out, it, it really does mean a lot. So if the guys from, from the rookery end are listening, uh, we really do appreciate that. Thank you very much. And uh, it has certainly helped a lot more than you perhaps think. So, uh, so, yeah, just wanted to start off with those couple of thank yous. And uh, I think now the most appropriate place to start is uh, Saturday lunchtime. I mean... Just before we go into what happens, what was you expecting before the game, Ben? Was you was you positive? Was you worried because it was in front of you no know, fans and you know, when the Vic gets rocking, it gets rocking and it can help us. What what were your overall thoughts going into the match?
0: Um well, messaging you during the week, um you asked <laughs> me a few times how I was feeling. I was, I think I was I was all right. I was saying, No, I'm feeling all right. I think um it will be all right. And then it got to Saturday morning um you'd normally go get your season ticket jump in a car head to Watford none of that this time um yeah I had to try and do things in the house I think I went for a um <laughs> went for a three-mile run as well in the morning to try and keep my mind busy um try and not get as nervous then got home sat down and oh my god the nerves got to me and it was just like being there um yeah, it's very strange um to be watching it with no fans in the background um but i think we did alright um it was it was i've heard very positive things from uh, people who actually attended the game saying watford um did it superbly with like, letting in the journalists and everyone else into the ground and the, uh, not heard a, a negative word said about it so i think hats off to watford for the organisation of it all, it all went smoothly um but yeah um I was a nervous wreck. Um, it was weird watching it with um, no fans. But must say, the Vicarage Road looked superb. The 1881, yes. the way they decorated that. Oh, wow. I wasn't expecting that. I, you kind of saw other teams um, beforehand, like the Norwich game, um, Villa game. You knew that they were going to maybe put some banners out and out. I was not expecting that uh, at all. I think I read something on Twitter saying that there was only 500 seats in the whole of Vicarage Road that wasn't covered by banners. Yeah, that, that's just, I mean,
1: That's crazy. Yeah, it's incredible. The work they do in the regular season is phenomenal. So you know, I, you sort of expect that they're going to put on like, well, not a show, but it's going to look fabulous, yeah. even if there's no fans in there. And I completely echo what you said, you know, uh, before the game, you know, I was all right and whatnot. It wasn't till the day of the actual game. Um, I mean, I'm terrible for getting up early anyway, but I was up early, tried to get back to sleep and thought, this ain't happening. I think I was up at like half six and I tried to get back to sleep. It wasn't happening. So I got up at seven, like yourself, went for a went for a run, got back, and the nerves started kicking in. I think the worst thing for me as well is, um, you can usually keep yourself occupied, as you say, right up until kick off to keep your mind off it. I was one of the lucky few to be involved on the fan wall. If you guys haven't seen it already, um, it's on my Twitter hat. Mike Duffy underscore twenty four. I um, I was one of the few that were lucky to be on that. So one of the, I won't call it a downside because it was really, really good experience but the only problem is if you want to keep your minds preoccupied, you have to be on the, the actual link an hour before kick-off and when you're nervous about a game just sitting there an hour before kickoff waiting for everything to start is really, really, really test your nerves um, so yeah, it, it was it was strange going into it and like even watching the players arrive and Watching the teams come out. I mean, I don't know if you spotted it, Ben, but obviously the away teams we know come out first. And I'm not really sure. I was a little bit worried because when we come out, we were sort of coming out in drips and drabs. And like it was like <laughs> three or four players at a time. Yeah,
0: it looked like they forgot that it was actually game time. Um, yeah. There was only like four or five players that came out at the start. and. He was, they was Some of the players were looking around to see where the rest of them were, but, yeah, I, I yeah, don't know what was going on there. But, yeah, that was a bit strange because um, normally they'd all be lined up in a tunnel and come out together, yeah. don't they? Um, I imagine the, what is it, they have a bell that goes off like two, three minutes before they should go out. Um... We
1: know they do, Ben. Do you not remember, um, what was his name? Shorty, the uh, old MC in... Oh. Um... The two-minute bell has just gone. The, the two-minute bell has just yeah, gone. Yeah. So, yeah, I, think, I don't know if they've still got it, but um, God, that, that's going that for a I imagine so. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, no, and the, the other thing I spotted as well, they didn't play Z cards. Now, I don't know if that's because... I was,
0: I was expecting it as well.
1: Yeah. Whether it's because Leicester come out first, I don't know. But I was a little bit disappointed at that. And obviously, seeing three or four players coming out and when the other players were coming out, they were sort of just dawdling along. And I was like, I hope this isn't a sign of, you know, Things to come in this game. Yeah,
0: um, the way they was walking out, it looked like they was walking out for a Sunday league match. Um, that's yeah. what that's what I do. Um, and
1: yeah, you come out and drift and drafts. Um, yeah, it didn't look very professional, to be fair. No, no, it worried me uh, slightly. And I think that sort of played into how the game started. To be honest, so the the game sort of started as we expected. Leicester on top with the possession, and you know, we took a while to get going. I think. Um, from memory, the, the first real chance of the game was, I think, Jamie Vardy. Typical, uh, he sort of got in. They, they played a ball out wide, and then a ball was played in, and Vardy just missed it at the near post. I think Craig Dawson went yeah, in. Yeah, good and pressure from Dawson it. there. Yeah. Well, I think. Do you know what? I think that sums up his performance um, for, for the whole for the whole game. But before, sorry, we actually continue talking about the actual game itself. I just want to talk about the lineup because, for those that listened in episode one, we sort of tried to give a predicted lineup ourselves. And yourself, Ben, said that you would have preferred Danny Welbeck starting out on the left. Yeah, now, f-
0: firstly, I just want to point out that we, we had a couple of people message saying that uh, yeah. Mike yeah, did his um, uh, predicted 11 <laughs> and he said he was from the Liv- uh, Liverpool game and he said he was going to make one change and that was for um, Chalabar to come in for Decore. So yeah. in Mike's head, Gerard Delafay was still fit.
1: No, no, I wasn't <laughs> thinking that. I, I was actually. It was a no-brainer that Delafayu was out. I, that's what the way I was
0: <laughs> But he was so, coming in. Was he playing with ten men?
1: Yeah. Well. Yeah.
0: But to be fair, I, I didn't notice. You said that. Um, it was uh, Harry Chapman came in and messaged me with that, and he, I think he enjoyed that one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for throwing me under the bus early doors, Ben. That's. Uh, <laughs> And so, so, yeah, mind you, it's revenge for uh, last week when you said that your first game was in 95 and I said that was the year I was born. So, <laughs> I think we're 1-1 now. But, yeah, no, just going back before we, we go too off-topic, but um, Welbeck obviously didn't start out on the left. He started on a bench and he played Pere- P- uh, Pereira. Yes. Now, there's a couple of things. We'll get onto the news about Pereira in a minute, but what was your thought when that starting lineup up came out at half-eleven? And you saw that Welbeck was start uh, was on the bench. What were your thoughts of the whole sort of starting lineup all together?
0: I was a bit surprised to see that um, Welbeck wasn't starting. I was going off the Brentford preseason friendly where Welbeck Ooh. did start on the left, and he did have an impact as well. He performed quite well in that, so I was surprised that Pereira started, Um also the other one. But did a few eyebrows. It was Craig Cathcart wasn't in the starting eleven either, um, so. Obviously, it worked for dawson uh, but i was I was very surprised to see Kafka on the bench but for Pereira as well um it, I think Nigel Pearson probably likes him he must we obviously don't see what goes on in training. Pereira no. might be absolutely outstanding in training it's just when it comes to ninety minutes on the Saturday is very inconsistent
1: mm-hmm. no, I totally agree, and i think Just touching on the Kafka, I think a lot of people were quite surprised because Craig Dawson has come in for a lot of stick. Uh, this season but and... was
0: Cathcart he was missing from a Brentford game as well wasn't he so maybe he, he, had, he had a minor knock still so maybe that came into um, the thoughts for Nigel Pearson as well as to why Cathcart wasn't starting in that game and other, and also these games come quick and fast don't they um, hmm. so we've got another game Thursday so was, did he have one eye on Burnley thinking oh, I'm gonna, I need, I need um, Cathcart for that game
1: I think he did have one eye on Burnley and I think the substitutions in the second half, which we'll get to probably were quite evident that he had one eye on the Burnley game. Um, but yeah, I think I did. I either heard it on, um, either saw it on Twitter or heard it on the commentary that Kafkart was missing from the Brentford game. So I think it was precautionary. Uh, and I think as well, that's why Messina came off for Holobas because that was a weird substitution. But we'll talk about the subs in a little bit. Um, The news about Perea that we're on about, I mean, if you haven't seen it, you must live under a rock because it's been (laughs) everywhere all over Watford Twitter. He's come out in an interview and said to direct TV Sports, which I believe is a a national sports company um, and they cover South America quite a bit. Yeah,
0: it's not um, not Mike Ashley's company, don't worry. No,
1: no, no. Um, He's come out and said that he'll be leaving at the end of this season. Now, that's a massive surprise to a lot of Watford fans because there were rumours that he wanted to go back to Italy. Um, personally, I think he'll end up back at Udinese. Yep. But um, I just want to bring it in quite nicely, actually, um, to a couple of questions that we've received. So the first question we've received is from James, who heads up the Watford way. Uh, you would have seen them on Twitter. If you don't follow them already, go and follow them. Really, really good insight into Watford. He asks, "What are your thoughts on Pereira leaving this summer, and should we seek a replacement for him, or should we stick with Welbeck, Pessetto, Pedro to play on the left?" What, firstly, what are your thoughts on Pereira leaving, and secondly, yeah, do we do we seek a replacement for him?
0: Um, I Pereira is a quality player on his day. Um, my problem with him is enough. If he was, um, we would all be begging him to stay. And we're quite happy that maybe he's decided he wants to move on. Pereira's not been like he's not. He's not the first name on the team sheet, is he? He's he never has been since he came to Watford. He came with a big like maybe weight on his shoulders because we've just signed this. Um, midfielder from um, Juventus. Yeah. So a lot of pressure was put onto his shoulders. Um, has he living up to his expectations? From what for fans? Probably not. Um, but he's given us some great moments as well. Um, he scores some spectacular goals. Yeah. Um, yeah, don't some that stand out for me are, the, obviously, you've got the Brighton game um, from the corner when they play it across and he volleys it into the top corner. Yep. You've got the Chelsea uh, at home similar I think that's from a corner and edge of the box he follows it in um, then you've also got Wolves away when we scored those two goals in like what was it, like, like a minute or something? Yeah, it
1: was. Something, something ridiculous like that, yeah.
0: So, it, yeah, he's a great player. he's scored some great goals, but he's just not consistent enough um, and picks up too many injuries as well. Just when you think he's probably starting to get some games under his belt, he's starting to look good, he would pick up a niggling injury and then he's out for a few weeks. That's what we... We don't need that, do we? Right,
1: nah, nah, definitely not. Uh,
0: But, yeah, I fully... Um, I wish him the best of luck if he moves on, which it looks like it will be. Uh seen things on Twitter saying that he could be off the Undanese. Um Do we need a replacement? If we can find the right replacement, uh, I'd say yes. Um, I've seen a few people say that we could maybe be looking at a swap deal um, for our Indonesia winger, Rodrigo de Paul. Yes. He's Argentinian American. as well. Um 26. He's got 22 goals in 130 games. so He could possibly... If, 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 you know what the history is with Watford and Indonesia. There's a lot of transfers between the clubs. so I wouldn't be surprised if we do send Pereira there and maybe get something back in return. Also, if we don't get replacement, would I be happy um, with the players we've got? Yeah. They'll need to step up. Um, I think we've got the players to do that. And To think we signed Parchetto in January, wasn't it? Um, they might have had one eye on replacing Pereira then and thinking Prichetto could be the guy who does it. Um, he, he was a bit lightweight before lockdown and supposedly he's, he's gained a bit more muscle now so he could maybe fill that boots. But also Pedro, very young, talented player. I'd like to see more of him.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally agree with what you just said. He's Pereira's time at Watford, he's produced some absolutely magic moments. Uh, magic goals. Uh, one that you missed off, which I like as well, was his goal against Leicester under Matt Zaris. He yes. um, seems to be quite similar finishes. He, he likes to cut in and then curl it in, and yeah, he's 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 scored some very good goals for Watford. But his consistency has been questioned throughout his time at Watford. Um, I'd say perhaps his best season was possibly the back end of last season. Um, he started sort of tracking back a bit more because there was a lot of frustration that he, he would get forward, but he wouldn't track back. But yeah, yeah, inconsistency is probably the best phrase to use to to sum up his overall time at Watford, which funnily enough links onto the question that we received from Aaron Esser. Um, he asked, what are your thoughts on Pereira moving on in his overall time? And I think you've pretty much summed up both of those questions that we've received in. And I, like you say, I wouldn't be surprised if he does end up to Udinese. A lot of the players that we've sent there have actually ended up doing really well. Big Stefano Akaka, he's acclimatised to life in Italy again and he's hit the ground running, I believe. Uh, yeah. Ken Semmer as Ken well. Ken Semmer being um, number one. I yeah. don't know if Zegelar's been playing. I'm not 100% sure. Uh, Prodal's not played yet because I think he's been injured. Uh, happy birthday to Prodal today, by the way, when we record this on, uh, on free, Monday the 22nd. Um, yeah, what a legend he was. But um, yeah, I, I think now is the right time for him to move on and I, I think that sort of linked into his performance. He, he just didn't seem at the races, did he then?
0: No, not, not at all um, and I think you could see that during the game. He, he, he didn't look up for it. He didn't really look fit. I just kind of wanted him to come off a bit sooner than he actually did during the game as well.
1: Yeah, I think we have to be careful though because let, in, in all fairness, we've had three months off so some yeah. players aren't going to be the best. If for... If he does start against Burnley, which we'll touch upon later, um, and he puts in a much better performance, then I'm sure all will be forgiven, sort of thing. But there were a lot of people on Twitter that I saw that were saying that Perea, they were A, surprised he was starting, B, very disappointed with the way that he started. But but yeah, um, I totally agree with you on what you've said with Perea. I wish him all the best in Italy and we may, it may be that it works out for him better in Italy and that this sort of style of play over there suits him better. Um, but yeah, moving on, obviously, I said the best chance at sort of Leicester started the brighter with more of the possession and they were sort of creating half chances. They weren't really threatening us. I don't recall Foster really having to make a save in the first half. Uh, I think they had... Um, and Didi had a shot which went well wide Vardy had a shot which went well wide as well after Cabaselli sort of fluffed his lines, that by the way scared the living daylights out of me, I think there was a ball over the top and Cabaselli went to control it and he sort of miscontrolled it and Vardy was right on his toes and obviously that's the last person you want to give the ball away to and for whatever reason Vardy brought it under control in the end and then shot well wide Um, so I think that was sort of the the story of the first half. It was a, a half of half chances, if you like. Uh, our, it was a nervous, slow start, wasn't it? Very much like both teams haven't played competitive football in three months, so you wouldn't expect anything less. To be honest, uh, I think our best chance uh, before Decoray's chance, which I'll touch upon very very shortly, he had half a chance where the ball came in and he sort of took a snapshot and it went well over and well wide. Um, but the one, the real one, which I thought he should have done a little bit better on, but uh, you know, it was right at Schmeichel, was where they were trying to play out from the back, which we've seen a lot of teams do, or try at least. And Dini intercepted a pass and put Duke through and it was saved well uh, by Schmeichel's feet. Well, I don't know what your thoughts were at the time, but I thought... You know, he, he should have really done a lot better on that chance because, really, he just put it straight at Schmeichel.
0: Well, I think that's when we're at our best. Um, mm. It's when we're pressing high. We've we we caused teams to make mistakes. We did it at Bournemouth away, um, scored from it. Yeah. We've done it with Arsenal at home. I think we scored from that uh, cleverly, wasn't it? And we've also done it. Um, Liverpool. Possibly Liverpool as well, so yeah, we've, it's, it's, that's what we're probably best at, isn't it? It's when we're, we're high up the pitch, we're pressing, we're, we're making them make mistakes, but yeah, Decore should have done a lot better there, straight up the keeper.
1: Yeah, yeah and I like the way that, I know I said that I would have changed um, Decore for Chalabar, um, but I and I still stick by that, you know, I, I've got nothing against Decore, but I just think that Chalabar offers us something different as well. Um, but with the I do like the way that Pearson's brought him in and well not brought him in but he's sort of changed his role he sort of sometimes plays up there with Troy and he pushes further on so and I think he does really well at it as well but um yeah I think that was probably the the best chance as well uh, there was a chance right before half time where Kapu played the most audacious like If you've not seen the pass by the way, again, where were you? But it's on the Watford Instagram, it's on the Watford Twitter. We might have even tweeted it as well off our account. I don't know if if we did, Ben, but he played like... It was sort of like a hard volley and outside of the boots. And it's just found Sar superbly. It was actually ping, wasn't it? it was, yeah, it, yeah. It was incredible. It was unbelievable. It, yeah, it was sexy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, there's no other way to describe it, I think. And then Sar <laughs> actually crossed and found a man and it was sort of Messina and Perea that sort of went wading in at it. And I think it was Soyuncu who went in for Leicester as well and just didn't couldn't quite bundle it in. And it was uh, the wrong side of the post. But just touching on quickly there, Sar. I thought again he sort of picked up where he left off. He had he had Chillwell on toast most of the game, um, but what did frustrate me was I don't think he perhaps realised how much time he had because he'd have the beating of Chillwell nine times out of ten, but then he'd cross straight away, and he wouldn't really take his time. Like he'd cross and nobody would be in the box yet, so it was it was very frustrating to see. I don't know if you picked up on that as well, Ben. I
0: thought his crosses were brilliant. Um, I know he's putting him in first time, but the areas that you are going to score from. I, I just think in an attacking point, we didn't have the people in the box. So I, I wouldn't blame Saar for that. I'd blame probably the attackers and the midfielders for not actually getting in and putting their head on the ends of any of them.
1: Yeah, well, I'm, I mean, I can see where you're coming from with that, but I still think he needs to take his time a little bit more on them, and um, he, he perhaps doesn't realise the own pace he's got sometimes. But... Yeah, so that was that was pretty much the, the first half. Um, Foster wasn't really troubled at all. Um, you know, I, I think there were reports of him reading the Watford Observer at one stage. You know, in the first <laughs> half because he uh, he didn't have much to do at all. But as we expected, Leicester dominated the possession and were on top. But we weren't completely out of the game whatsoever. Uh, and another thing I want to uh, I want to point out as well: how good was Will Hughes from that first whistle? He was just intercepting, spraying out passes, winning balls in the middle. It's almost as if he didn't have three months off.
0: Husey looks a totally different player under Nigel Pearson. Putting him in the centre of the park is where that boy is thriving. And he looks unbelievable at the moment. I felt like he was setting the tone on Saturday. He was the one getting stuck in. I've actually seen today that he actually um, covered the most... Um, over the pitch on Saturday, um, he was outstanding. Yeah. He 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 was winning the battles against Ndidi, um Madison as well. He's just you can see why he, um, he could possibly get into Southgate's plans if he carries on playing like this. I think there's no one uh, anyone better than um, choose to break, play, break up play for England.
1: Completely agree, and I, I think. Him coming out before the first game and saying I want to make an impression for Southgate and want to get yeah. in the England squad, I think that's only going to benefit us because if he's going to be putting in performances like that week in week out, we know what Kapu can do, um, even on a bad day. And if you've got Hughes doing exactly the same alongside him, then. I'm sorry, but the, the midfield that we've got, I, I I don't see any problems with it whatsoever. And I it's nice seeing got...
0: Hughes playing in the middle, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah definitely. Because when, when he signed, we've always played him out wide, and it's, it's yeah. never. He's done a job. He works hard. Um, keeps it narrow for us, doesn't it, when yeah. we've got him in the midfield. But he thrives in the middle, and yeah, he was outstanding.
1: Yeah, absolutely agree. And as you said, I just want to echo what you said. If he, if he plays like that for the remainder of this season, I, I won't have any you know doubts that he'll get into Southgate's plans um the only thing that does worry me which is a completely separate argument but you do worry with the uh, wonder with the England team sometimes whether he, you, you pick you picked based on the the teams that you play for and he has his favorites but nonetheless if he continues doing that I'll be a happy man because you know I, I don't think we've got as much to worry about um I want to move on to the second half quickly um the started brightly. 47 minutes, I think it was, on the clock. And Kapu played a marvellous through ball to Saar. He was one-on-one. One. Probably should have done better on it because we saw he did it against Allison against Liverpool. He'd he shipped it over the keeper. This time he just drilled it at Schmeichel. But that's what it seems in real time. But when you saw the replays, he sort of edged it to the wide and it was a good save from Schmeichel. Um, if you watch the replays and they slow it down it, it was a very good save from cycle, but really with Sar especially seeing him do it against Liverpool I would have thought he would have done a little bit better there
0: he's so quicker than he's he so, wouldn't yeah. he Originally, when it happened, I thought he was offside because he was so quick and he was so far away from the Leicester player straight away. It wasn't until we saw a replay afterwards, he timed his run perfectly. But, yeah, I think he probably rushed his chance a little bit, didn't he? He saw Schumacher coming, running out to him and, yeah, probably could have done a lot – well, he could have done better with it, couldn't he? He could have scored. But, yeah, that was one that went missing. But Schumacher, you know what's going to happen when he comes out. He does the old starfish and, yeah. He
1: does, yeah, yeah. Yeah, We've seen it it
0: before. Puts the attackers under pressure, do not it? yeah. So he fluffed it, hasn't he? But
1: yeah, yeah. well, yeah. We uh, we'll let him off. He's uh, he's good enough to uh, to have a few few slip ups, a couple of times. Exactly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> he won the Liverpool game for us, so yeah, we'll yeah, let him
1: off. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Deeney had half a chance. Uh, it might even have been sorry that Crossy. Uh, I, I don't know if you can recall who Crossy, but he sort of. He he rose highest, and uh, a stat that you pulled out before we started recording, which I think is an incredible stat. What what was it, Ben? The stat that you sent me? That um, Deeney won like nine um,
0: on Saturday, and it is like the joint highest Premier League um, for this season. I think so. Yeah, he's won the most balls in the air in a Premier League game this season.
1: Yeah, and. Uh... The, one of those was his chance. You know, he he, he rose highest against two solid centre backs that Leicester. have got. I, I really like that Science you? and uh, Johnny Evans has always been like um, a tough tackling centre back. Um, so he he just headed it wide. I would imagine that Schmeichel probably would have got there if it was on target. If he didn't, he would have been very disappointed with himself. Uh, and then after that, really, that's when Leicester started growing into the game. And it was about the 70th minute, I think, that Leicester started really growing into it and started looking threatening. And we were sort of sitting a little bit deeper and I was sort of thinking, oh, no, here we go. Um, the, the, the first chance that really did it for me was All Bryson. I thought when he hit that, I thought that was in. Uh, which oh, yeah. also, I want to say... I've been told that Foster actually got a hand to that. And if that is yeah. the case, my God, again, he has proved he's worth for us, like you pointed out last week.
0: Magnificent double save, wasn't it? Oh, um, you could, yeah. When you slow it down, you can actually see his fingers um, bending underneath it. So you can see that there's actually contact. But is mm. there anything Ben Foster can't do? He doesn't, yeah. he, doesn't, he doesn't look like a 37-year-old man who's playing in golf, does he? Well, he's that's,
1: outstanding. <laughs> that's what he said. He goes, he's feeling the best he's ever felt and he's yeah. enjoying it. And yeah, he's moving he can't around can't like a 23 year old keeper. Yeah. Yeah. When he puts in performances and pulls off saves like that, you can't argue with him. You really can't. But
0: well, that, that save down to his left hand side was such a strong hand to wrap around the post, wasn't it, from Madison? Yeah. What yeah. a great save. And if that went in, who would say that we wouldn't be able to come back from that?
1: Well, exactly. You know, if that went in and then they scored at the Chilwell shot as well, you know, we would have been dead and buried. But who knows? If you haven't seen the save, by the way, it's on our Twitter page, at Voices of the Vic. Um, And then it was evident as the game sort of grew on that if someone was going to win it, it was going to take something special from either side. Uh, And just when you start thinking that... Chilwell lives up to his name because you know he's been linked with Chelsea. A lot of talk about him obviously has earned an England call up in the last couple of years, pops up with an absolute pole driver. You know, we say there's what can what can't Ben Foster do, but no one's saving that. Not even the best goalkeeper in, in, in the league is saving that. He hit it absolutely sweetly, smashed off the inside of the post, eighty-nine minutes on the clock. And you just think, there's no crowd there to gear So, I'll I'll be honest, I thought, that's it. As far as I was aware, we'd lost that game. There was 89 minutes gone and there was no crowds. That was done. I don't know what your thoughts were, but I was like, yeah, that's just typical. That's
0: all. I I sunk in my sofa. I just (laughs) kind of just started going down towards the floor. I couldn't believe it. I thought, we've put in that much effort. It came to the 90th minute or 89th minute. And what a quality goal from Chilwell. He did absolutely nothing all cool game, exactly. apart from Chase Saw. Um, so, for him to come up at that time and score that, I oh, thought it was a wonderful goal, but...
1: Yeah. No. Yeah, it, I it, don't know. <laughs> it, what, what more can you say than it was a wonderful goal? Because it, it literally was. <laughs> I was speechless when it went in. And I was a little bit worried as well that um, BT were going to show the fan cam for the Watford fans because... I, that I would have just got, I wouldn't have been able to go on Twitter again after that because I just would have got absolutely ripped out of me because my I, my head were in my hands and like you, I was sort of sunk down into my seat and I, like obviously I thought that we'd lost and then Holabas comes on and you're thinking what's going on here? We'd obviously I think by then I, I did miss out. Apologies by then we'd already brought on Chalaba um, cleverly and. Uh, Mariapa for Capu Decore and Kiko Feminia, who I thought they all had excellent games but you can understand you know we've not played football in three months he's going to make changes he's going to have one eye on the games coming up but I did think they sort of weakened it no disrespect to them but for the, the way that Capu and Decore have been playing and Kiko Fomenia, You you sort of worry then and obviously they then scored. I think Mariapa was already on the pitch as well and you worry with Mariapa going up against the pace of Jamie Vardy who was stuck on 99 Premier League goals and we were adamant he was going to get that 100th goal. Uh, Craig Dawson obviously had other ideas because he was absolutely incredible. But... Um, yeah, um, Holabas come on and he was belting these long throws in. I was just sit, sort of watching it and I was just thinking, why do Watford do this to me? They give me false hope thinking that one of these throw-ins is going to take a ricochet and we're going to get a chance. And then it went out for a corner and I thought, why am I getting excited? Watford never scores from <laughs> corners. And then the most outrageous thing happened. Holabas delivered a corner which beat the first man for once. Um, <laughs> then... Cabaselli won the header. Yeah, it took a few ricochets, but to be quite honest, who the hell cares?
0: He's claiming the assist for it as well. Is he? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Typical (laughs) Cabba.
1: And then, Craig Dawson, who's never scored for Watford, and I think I read a stat, he hasn't scored in... I really should remember these stats. The last guy we scored
0: was for West Brom in a playoff semi-final Against against... Aston Villa. Aston Villa.
1: Yeah. So he hasn't scored for that long. And he thinks, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to try and over a kick. And like, Schmeichel. Got he a comes out and says that
0: he's, he's, he does it in training.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I'll tell you what made me laugh about that. Nigel Pearson says, I've never seen him anything do do anything like that. He's usually just booting the ball out. So <laughs> someone's lying there. But um, yeah, I mean, when he took that over a kick, I thought, oh, Schmeichel's got a hand to it. It's not got in because it sort of, it, it balls the net really, really late. And. I was sort of like, oh, God, what a chance. And then I was like, oh, my God, it's in. And like, as Watford fans, you're sort of expecting, because we never score in the last minute, and you're sort of expecting uh, the the Lawrenceman's flag's going to go up or something. And, um, I, I just, I've got no words. Like, I, You've seen the video of me <laughs> celebrating. I think that sums it up. I don't know what you, what were you like when that goal went in bed?
0: I was exactly the same as you, jumping up and down. I couldn't believe it. Oh. Thought, if, from being slumped down in your seats, I and mean, then you're scoring from a corner. for what? Yeah, not just Watford scored. We scored from a corner. Yeah, we haven't We've done not, that since Tranmere in the cup. Uh, bloody hell. Yeah, uh, and we lost that day. Yeah, <laughs> that was incredible. And for, mm. Yeah, like you say, a defender trying something like that, hats off to him. But I must say, when I saw that... It brought back memories of when Craig Cathcart did it against uh, Birmingham City in the year we got yeah. promoted to a Prem. Yeah. What is it with
1: Craig's and, um, in Overhead front of the kicks. rookery <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But someone else said, what is it with last-minute goals in front of the rookery against Leicester? Yeah. So, unfortunately, oh, yeah. it didn't quite have the same effect. we we still got a point, though, which um, we would have took before the game. Let, let, let's just... Obviously, that's how the, the game finished. Uh, finished on a high. Dawson was incredible. Possibly his best Watford performance to date. Kept Vardy quiet for the whole game. The same Vardy who scored in the last five games against us and was on 99 Premier League goals. But you would have taken a draw before the game.
0: Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, I was going into the game thinking, if we get a point here, then maybe go Burnley and get more, and then we've got Southampton. They, they were the two games I thought, yeah, we could maybe win from. But from, to get a point out of Leicester, especially from when you're being 1-0 down, and you, we kept going, we kept pushing. We was like, no, we're going to get
1: something out of this. Yeah, no, unbelievable. Yeah, that's what worried me a bit as well, because there's no crowd there to cheer you up. I think, I'm a strong believer that if there was a crowd there, those chances we had earlier, may have gone in, and if they hadn't, they may have driven us to have more chances, and possibly we would have gone ahead earlier in the game, but shoulda, woulda, coulda, you know, it didn't happen, they weren't there, so can't dwell on that too much, but, and, you know, obviously with the results went the way it did, um, you know, it was a brilliant weekend for us overall, Um, because we love a stat on this show, and I've just mentioned about 90th minute goals against Leicester, here's an incredible stat for you. Six of the last seven meetings between Watford and Leicester in the Premier League have either seen a goal or a red card in the 90th minute or later. Six <laughs> goals and one red card. I think that's incredible. That I just shows that. that if you're watching Watford v Leicester, don't switch off early or don't leave early because <laughs> something's guaranteed to happen. Um, now I've said that, the next time we play Leicester, it's going to be the red card, isn't it? Um yeah. But yeah, that brings us on to another question we've received from Samuel Stedman. Thanks for sending it in, Sam, if you're listening and thanks for your support so far. With the result on Saturday being a draw and with it being very lucky to get it, how do you think we'll get on against Burnley? All the teams around us seem to either lose or draw the first games back, which, if you ask me, puts us in a very good position going forward. So, obviously, we've just said that we would have taken a draw, but we weren't to know what those results were going to be. But now we know what the results were Do you think that's put us in the driving seat, so to speak?
0: I would say so, yeah. Uh, We've we've hit up a point. Uh, Teams around us dropped points. We've moved up a place up to 16th. Um, So West Ham have moved underneath us now. Um, The the, the team will be full of confidence now going to Burnley, picking up that last-minute equaliser. That's going to feel like a winner for them. Um, So we're going to go there full of confidence. Uh, Yeah, I can't see why we can't get a result at Burnley now.
1: Always been thinking that because you've been doing some work for me, which I'm going to ask for you to produce that work in a minute when I uh, when we get to it. But um, sort of, you, you could get a job at Leeds with the sort of um, detective work you've been doing on Burnley's um, injury news and whatnot. But just... I need to get out more, mate. That's the <laughs> <laughs> thing. You said it, not me. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we're moving on um, because I'm a bit worried about the, the time. I don't want to keep everyone too long, although. Got nothing else to do because we're still in lockdown. But um, this podcast, we're recording it on Monday the 22nd. So um, at the moment, there's still an hour till kickoff um, with Burnley Man City. Uh, and we know what sort of injuries they've got for that game and the, the troubles that we've got. But talking of their lineups, we'll talk about ours first. I think I know what you're going to say. But other than the obvious Perea for possibly Welbeck. Is there anything you changed from the line-up from Saturday for going into Burnley?
0: I've thought about this for a while. I don't know whether I'd want to disrupt the bat four um, and bring in Kafkart, yeah. Um Because I think we, we did a great job keeping um, Vardy quiet. I know Cavicelli took a while to get into the game and made an early mistake where Vardy was on his heels. But do I want to upset the bat four? But Pearson's also thinking I've got another game Sunday against Southampton, yeah. um, so I think there is going to be changes. Um, I would pro- I'm going to take Pereira out the starting lineup, and I'm going to probably put Prosetto in. I think he's oh, going okay. to put only because it's Burnley are a physical side. I, mm. I don't know if Pearson's going to try and match it and maybe make us a bit more defensive because. Um, Pochettino actually filled in at right back the other week against Brentford, didn't he? You did. Um, so I don't know if he's looking at that for a bit more cover at right back. Um, so yeah, I'm just going to just do one change. I'm going to do Pochettino going to come in for Pereira.
1: That's very very interesting. I I agree with you uh, with the back four. I, I I don't think it's worth disrupting that. And I think Craig Dawson was incredible. And these are the type of games that. He lives forward. He he was part of a tough tackling, tough to beat West Brom side, tough to score against for nine years. Like yeah. He played under Tony Pulis, who was big on his defending and you know getting stuck in and being hard to beat in the air. And when you're playing a team like Burnley, and I know there's that stereotype that Burnley play horrible football and whatnot, but they, there's a reason for that stereotype. Craig Dawson, if he puts in this, uh, even half the performance he did against Leicester, I think we're going to be all right. So, I think back four unchanged. We obviously don't need to talk about Foster because, funnily enough, I don't think uh, Gomez deserves a shot in this one. Um, the two in front of the back four, Hughes and Capu, again, wouldn't change it. Um, I would obviously change Perea. Um, I would possibly go with Danny Welbeck, um, just because he adds a little bit more attacking-wise. And I think, which you're going to talk about in a little bit, I think they're there for the taking, in Burnley because they've got a lot of injuries slash contract problems. So it's going to be interesting to see not only what they line up with tonight, but what they line up with on Thursday because they've also got, we've sort of, Two days ahead of them in preparation for the next game. So yeah, we've got an extra two rest days, haven't we? Exactly. So I think we, we're going to have the upper hand there. Uh, and other than that, I wouldn't change anything. I was half thinking about maybe playing Andre Gray because he knows how Burnley work and he scored at Turf Moor last season. But I just think that Troy Deeney's just been—you know—Troy Deeney's Mister Watford. He's pivotal for games like these, and when he's up against Tarkowski and. Um, you know the, the other centre backs, Ben. Me, I think it is. You, you need a player, and especially like you said earlier, winning fourteen. I think uh, aerial duels. Um, you know we we know that we're going to win it in the air, and we're going to need someone that's not going to be afraid to go up and get a few sort of elbows, a few few digs and whatnot. And Troy's the, the perfect player for that. Um, so yeah, I think the I the only change I'd make is Perea and I'd make it for Welbeck just to to be a bit more attacking. Uh, in terms of any fresh injury concerns, there was possible hamstring worries for Messina, but I've not heard anything off the back of that. I believe that's why he was taken off against Leicester. Uh, and then, obviously, we got the news that um, success had uh, done something to, he'd ruptured his Achilles and Yamat yep. has had an um, injection, uh, which it got infected. So, he's now out for the season. Uh, poor bloke can't catch a break because I really do like Jan Matt and then the other news is that we won't be seeing Dela for the rest of this season I don't want to dwell on that too much because I'm just worried about the time that we're on but do you think that is going to be a real, real big miss or do you think now that we've seen what we like without De Feu, do you think that perhaps we've got the, the players in there to not replace him as such but maybe put in performances that sort of... Um, are similar to Delafeu,
0: De I think we're going to miss him massively. Um, mm. We're a better side with Delafeu in the side. Also, yeah. we're, I'm in an iron of who's going to take Pereira's place. We've got Gerard Delafeu, he's put him out on the left. Gerard Delafeu, he's injured. Yeah, no, if he, if, he was, if he was fully fit.
1: Oh, if he was fully fit, more bad. Yeah. I, thought, I, I don't know what you thought you was on about then. I thought you yeah, was doing a me from last week then. Put <laughs> <laughs> no, it left against Burnley, he'll be fine.
0: If if he, if he was fully fit, we would not be having this, this discussion about Pereira thinking about, do we need a replacement? Because we've got Gerard there for we've got we don't know what division we're going to be in at the end of the season, do we? To, because some players might want to move on and uh, And I think Jerry would probably be one of them. Um, but if we did get relegated to a championship and say he gets fit for October, he would, he would still be a Watford player until maybe January and he would be one hell of a championship player <laughs> it, in that division. It would, it?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, it'd be uh, almost unfair. I think Passetto would be as well, actually, funnily enough. Um, Moving on to the news, uh, Burnley, obviously we've mentioned that we get two extra days to prepare for the fixture. We've obviously having three months off and we, obviously football's coming thick and fast now. Do you think that obviously usually having two extra days might actually benefit us? Do you think it'll have a bigger impact as it was if the season was just going on as normal? Or do you think that maybe two days extra isn't going to be as much?
0: I think it's going to help us having these two extra days. I wouldn't be surprised if we come to a a Burnley game and within 15 minutes Burnley have to make a change because someone's picked up a a silly um, muscle strain because of the game's being so close together and we've had an extra two days recovery. Um, So I wouldn't be surprised to see that on um, Thursday.
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. Um, And then obviously moving on, Burnley have got a few issues with contracts and injuries we'll touch on the injuries just very very shortly I just want to touch on the issues that they're having with the contract extensions now when I was doing the research for the podcast for recording tonight um, it was Jeff Hendrick, Phil Bardsley, Adam Ledging's, um Aaron Lennon and Joe Hart but yesterday on Sunday it was um, broken that Burnley decided not to offer Joe Hart a new contract, which I'm not at all surprised with. And Aaron Lennon's actually rejected a contract extension and he'll leave after the 30th of June. Now, I, I don't, obviously, because we don't follow Burnley week in, week out, I'm not sure if he was playing regularly, but that's still quite a big miss. And it raises the question, will he play? Because you've got players like Ryan Fraser who's come out and rejected one and he's not going to play for Bournemouth again. So are they going to be in a case where... They won't play him or are they going to be in a case of, well, we've we sort of short, short on numbers as it is. We're going to have to play him. And then if they do play him, they're in a similar predicament with us where Pereira's is leaving. Is he, are he going to be elsewhere? Is he going to be pulling out of challenges because he doesn't want to get injured? So it's going to be interesting to see what that, um, that brings. But the only two that stick out for me is Jeff Hendrick and Phil Bardsley. You no, know, Adam Ledgein's is like the fourth choice keeper, so he doesn't really get a look in anyway. But Jeff Hendrick and Phil Bardsley are certainly two players that fit the Burnley mould. So I, I think that's going to be interesting to see whether they start. It's absolutely criminal
0: that Burnley have let
1: all these players come down
0: to their final contracts and I saw the other day I think they spent about £10 million on Jeff Hendricks from Derby and now they're just letting him go for free it's yeah. absolutely mad I'll be well, fuming if Watford did that
1: did you see the rumour in January was it January uh, a few weeks him back him going, going to AC, AC Milan, Milan. <laughs> oh, he's going to set the light not he <laughs> yeah. well they almost signed that I'm going off topic here but they almost signed that Anthony Robinson from Wigan and it, it fell through at the last minute. So yeah, you sort yeah, of have to wonder, who's who's in charge of recruitment at AC Milan? Is it, like, I don't know, Mick McCarthy or someone? I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? But um, Now, moving on to the injury news, um, Ben has been doing a sterling job at sort of um, reading into Burnley and whatnot. And you, you've got some injury news for us. Uh, what, what have you got for us, Ben?
0: Um, so, yeah, they are going to be missing Ashley Barnes, Chris Wood and Gudmundsen, uh for their opener against Man City. Um, and because we're playing them a few days after Man City, I wouldn't be surprised if all three of them are missing for our game as well. Um, so, And Deich is having will be having issues with um, filling his nine-man bench as well due to all these injuries and contract disputes. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can get... A match day squad together, <laughs> yeah, and who who is going to play up top as well. Um, but before, um, I think Barnes and Woods been injured for a few months. Um, so before um, lockdown, they had Matthew Vidya, like all Watford fans know about. He was playing up front and he was actually coming into form. and He scored an absolutely cracker down at St. Mary's against Southampton, if you remember it.
1: Yep,
0: um, so he, um... Yeah, I do indeed. so yeah, he's at. If he can carry on his form from pre-lockdown, I'd worry about um, Vidra against um, maybe our defenders because it's a bit different to, well, probably similar to what they faced with um, the pace of Vardy.
1: Yeah, yeah. And we look. There's no better team to know what Vidra's like, and I'm sure Troy will be having a word. Um, I'm trying to think who else was here when we were um, when Vidra was there. Maybe Gomez as well. Two influential uh, characters in the dressing room. will we'll know what threat Vidra holds. Um, but yeah, the big one for me there is if Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood are out of the game for us as well, because and they're both Burnley, Bar- uh,
0: they're both yeah. Burnley top goal scorers, aren't they?
1: I was just going to say, yeah, Chris Wood's got eleven, Ashley Barnes has got six, and then J Rodriguez has got five. So you, you're taking seventeen goals out of the team straight away if those two aren't in Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood, and they're two physical players as well. So that'd be a massive, massive, um, you know, that that massive for us. Um, Craig Dawson and Cabaselli can breathe a sigh of relief if that is the case. Uh, I know it doesn't matter too much because obviously we've not played for three months, but coming into the game without counting the Man City game, Burnley picked up nine points from the last five games and they included draws against Spurs and Arsenal and a win against Leicester. But I'm going off what I've just said, that's not really going to be as appropriate I think especially if they're missing these players and the fact that they haven't played for so long and they can so take an worried. absolute
0: hiding from City tonight as well so let's their confidence so. could be lost
1: let's, let's hope so but I mean I think a small part of them could still get Europe but I, I think I they've got bigger earlier, worries Ben Mee actually
0: came out did uh, there was like a little quote on Sky Sports News he said that um, Burnley are targeting
1: European football <laughs> they want to target getting a few contracts tied before they do that <laughs> um, but yeah um, I, and again, because we love a stat on this podcast, head to head stats as well. It, it doesn't make for good reading for us Watford fans, unfortunately. Now, Watford have won just twice at Turf Moor since April 2004. The most recent one coming last uh, season when Andre, Troy, and Hughes scored and we won 3 1. Tarkowski scored for uh, Burnley. And then the time before that, we um it was April two thousand and four. This is taking you back. Dev Paul Devlin, Hyder Helgerson and Lee Cook were the scorers when we won three two. That don't have to take you back? Oh, it doesn't. Paul yeah. Devlin, Helgerson and Lee Cook. My God. Um obviously we've and I say we've only won twice since April 2004. The more worrying stat is we've only ever won three times at South Moor and one of the times was a 7-4. Can you remember who were the goal scorers that day, Ben? The 7-4 game? Chopra got four, didn't he? Chopra did get four.
0: Yeah, Michael Chopra and... Probably Micah
1: Hyde. Micah Hyde, he did. Um... I'll give I couldn't you tell two. you the others. <laughs> I'll, I'll <laughs> give you the other two because because um, it's um, you, we'll be here all day. It was Wayne Brown and Paolo Venator, I believe it was. Was it Paolo Vinatza? Um Not really sure off the top of my head, but um, it was definitely <laughs> Wayne Brown got one. Um, I, I had all this sorted as well before, and you I've love a stat
0: com- as well, don't you? I, yeah, and you can I see absolutely,
1: up. I, completely. Apologies. Um, no, that's all right. We'll uh, we'll bleed that out, maybe. Um, but yeah, no, th- that just shows three wins. Um, it was Micah Hyde, Wayne Brown, and Neil Cox. Not Paolo Van so he never scored because <laughs> he was absolutely rubbish. But um, yeah, no, it was uh, Neil Cox. So yeah, they they were the scorers on that day, but three times. And that, as well, is dating back to the records that I could find, was 1971. Wow. It just so shows it how tough it is to go to Turfmore and pick up a result. Absolutely. The last, ten comp- last 10 meetings in all competitions, Watford have won two. We've drawn four and Burnley have won four. And then the overall meetings um, dating back to 1971, we've never kept a clean sheet at Turf ever. And Ben Foster's one of them at the moment that's going, could go for the Golden Glove because Dean Henderson's record took a batter in the other day. Um, 3-0 against Newcastle. And then overall meetings, Watford have won 13, withdrawn 10 and Burnley have won 20. So on paper, it's not looking good for us. But as we all know, and as we've just gone through, the contract problems have got, the injuries problems have got. Football isn't won on paper. It's not played on paper. So hopefully that we can book the trend and win again, just like we did last season. And I I think it's very, we're very, very confident. Uh, Mike Dean will be the referee. The VAR ref will be Martin Atkinson. And Mike Dean, if you saw on our Twitter just yesterday, refereed Watford on three occasions so far. The Man City 8-0 defeat, which we won't mention again. The (laughs) Watford 0-0, the absolute snore fest that it was. And then the Watford oh, with Bournemouth that was, and then the um, the Bournemouth away game three 0 more recently. So um, so yeah, he, he's we've not done horrendously because there's some refs that ref us, and it's like we we can never win when they referee. So yeah, special mention um, for Mike Dean's beard. Oh yeah, it's superb, <laughs> isn't it? I, I the think things that happened during under, lockdown.
0: Like, right. I wouldn't have said Mike, <laughs> Mike Dean would. Uh, referee, side derby
1: with a beard. <laughs> yeah, no, he uh, he, he looks, he, yeah, he he looks questionable at best. I think he's probably the nicest thing I can think of. But um, just before, we've received a couple of other questions that relate to uh, to to Burnley and whatnot. But just before we go into it, um, score predictions, Ben. What 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 do you think? Three one Watford. Ooh, I like it. Um, scorers.
0: Dini Hughes, Decore,
1: Dini Hughes and Decore, almost a full house. And who scored last season? Yeah, um, I, I, I can see that, especially with Decore. If he sort of pushes on like he did last week, uh, last week on Saturday, sorry, um, he um, he can be a threat, and we know what a threat he can be as well. I'm going to go. Even though we've just said all these injury problems that Burnley have got and contract problems, we're going to make bloody hard work of this because we're Watford. I'm going to go that we're going to sneak it 2-1. Um, and I think Saar's going to cause nightmare for their defence. I think Saar's going to score. And I'm actually going to go... Do you know what? I'm going to go Danny Welbeck because he deserves it. He's worked hard in this lockdown. He does deserve it. He's worked hard. He's been injured. He can't get rubber the green with the injuries. He actually looks like, and it sounds like he's come back against Brentford and he's done well. And I think it's going to come after him. And I think he's going to score and it's going to do his confidence a world of good then. I hope and so. hopefully then he'll sort of kick on from there and, and play a lot more. So yeah, three, one, I'm going to go for, Um I want to go on to a couple of questions that we've received here. The first question I want to go on to is one we've received from Josh, Br- uh, Josh Watson, sorry, um, which is, do you think we'll stay up and how many more wins do you think we'll achieve? Uh,
0: yes, um, I reckon we're going to stay up and we we'll probably need probably about three wins. Um, three wins oh, in a draw. Um, yeah. Another 10 points, I think, yeah, we'll walk it. Um I I think you probably need <laughs> I, I don't I don't think you're gonna need a massive amount to stay up now. Um I think you'd probably eight more points. But let's let's round it yeah. up to ten.
1: Well that'd put us on if we round it up to ten, that would put us on thirty eight. And they usually say forty is about the mark that you need. So yeah, yeah I think I, it's I, gonna I, be lower I, this year. I think we'll need that. But let's just quickly run you through who we've got left as well, because I'm going to put you under even more pressure, Ben. I'm going to ask where you think those three wins are going to come from. So we've obviously got Burnley. You'll think that's one of. Is that one of the three, or is that that and then three more?
0: Uh, I've predicted us to win three one, so I'm going to have to say yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but after that, is it? Do you think we're going to win three more, or do you think that's part of the three more that you think we're going to win? Um, Really pushing you here now, Ben. Throwing you under the bus a bit. Three more. Three more. So, yeah. we've got Burnley. That Ben obviously thinks will win. We've got Southampton at home. Draw. Chelsea away. Oh, yeah. We'll run it through like that. Southampton at home. Draw. Draw. Chelsea away. Loss. Mm, I don't know. Um, Norwich at home. Win. Win. Newcastle at home. Win. West Ham away. Win. <laughs> the last two. Man City at home. Loss. And then Arsenal
0: draw.
1: Yeah. Well, I, um, I think, obviously, I think we'll win against Burnley. Um, Southampton's going to be a tricky one because Danny Ings is on fire. So, again, I'll take a draw there. I think we can get a draw away at Chelsea. I think watching them against Villa, although they put Villa under a lot of pressure, you could see at times they were there for the taking and Villa sort of got a goal out of nothing. Um, so, I'm going to be optimistic there and go a draw. I think we beat Norwich. We beat Newcastle, but only because we're at home. If we're away, I think we would have lost. Uh, West Ham away. West Ham looked poor, so I think we're going to go for a win there. Man City at home. I want to be optimistic, but let's not be silly. So, a loss. And then, like you said, I actually think that we could get a win. If Arsenal continue playing the way they do, we could get a win and they'd be there for the taking. Yeah, well, but why not? We've would've... done it
0: before at the Emirates, haven't we? Exactly. We've done it twice at the Emirates. So yeah. actually... I was there on that Tuesday night
1: one. Oh, Even better. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to... Uh, do you know what? I'm going to be different. I'm going to go for a win. So, I think we're going to pick up... Um, we're going to pick up four more wins. And I think four more wins will do it for us. Um, so, four wins... Norwich, Newcastle, West Ham, and Arsenal. Why not? Uh, And I think we can pick something up against Chelsea. And to be honest, I think a draw wouldn't be the worst thing in the world tonight, but uh, tonight, sorry, on Thursday night. But I think going off the Leicester game, I think really, in hindsight, we do need to win it because we've drawn against Leicester. If we win on here, I think we'll be a lot more comfortable. Um, which brings it on nicely to a question that we've received from one of our mates who's a Villa fan, Ben Cox. Who do you see as the biggest threat to our relegation fight?
0: None of them performed well this weekend, did they? So (laughs) this is even tougher. Purely going off the squad and that one man who's absolutely brilliant, I'm going to go with Villa, Jack Grealish. Yeah. Yeah, he's good. He He pulls the strings and he gets them out of
1: trouble. He can play on his own and get points for Villa. He can. The only thing I'd say is, and the only reason I know this, is I have a lot of friends who are Aston Villa fans. Dean Smith seems to play him out wide as opposed to central. And I think that rubs Villa fans up the wrong way because apparently he's a lot more effective centrally. Now, obviously, that's not going to bother me too much if he's playing in out-of-position or a position where he's less effective because it means that he's not winning as many points for him. But I think on their day, Villa have shown that they can get something from these games. But I, I, I don't know how many home and away games they've got left because away, they've got the second worst other than Norwich. They've got the second worst form away from home. So, possibly, but I do think that, I personally think that West Ham might get out of it, because West Ham are West Ham, and I just think, like, they, I don't know how, and I know that doesn't really help what I'm backing up, and it might not solidify my point, but I just have got this sneaky suspicion that West Ham are going to be, they possibly could push us the furthest. Um, they've got Tottenham uh, tomorrow as we record on Tuesday uh, and Tottenham are, certainly can be there for the taking um, but hopefully Tottenham turn up on, on Tuesday night but if, they was, if if Coxie was to push me for an answer and knowing Coxie he bloody well will um, <laughs> it would be West Ham for me um, and a question that uh, we've received from uh, Vaughan who I know we, um, we won't touch on this too much Vaughan if you're listening because I think we might even dedicate uh, a separate episode Um, to to this. But Vaughan's asked, um, he'd like to know if we went down um, and we went back to the Championship, who should be retained for next season and why. And uh, just want to obviously acknowledge that we've received the question and thanks for the question, Vaughan, and thanks for listening. Hopefully I'll see you soon for a beer. we will touch on it and it probably will be a separate episode itself because we, that, that's, that will take a lot of ground to cover and I've got a feeling that me and Ben may uh, agree and disagree on a few of them so we might need to completely book it out on the diary on that one for that one. So thanks very much for getting your questions in, guys. Uh, it really does mean a lot and it's great to see that you're interacting with us and you're listening. Um, hopefully... Moving on to um, to the next part of the podcast uh, very quickly because I know obviously looking at the time, competition time. Yes, you heard it right. (laughs) It's our first ever competition. Uh, I'm really excited about this. You sound like Andy Peters,
0: mate. You're loving it.
1: (laughs) Competition time. Competition (laughs) time. Your chance to win. Unfortunately, won't be like twenty grand that they give away. We're not quite on that level yet. Yeah, so we've teamed up with a company called Six Yards Out. If you don't know what they're about, they sell merchandise, so mugs, prints, um, phone cases, retro uh, stuff for your club. If Whatever club you support, they've got it. Um, check them out on Twitter and Instagram. We'll put a link on our uh, Twitter and Instagram as well. Go check them out. They have given us the, the chance to give away a print. Now, just so you've got sort of, size, you know what sort of size it is. It's A4. I believe it already comes framed. And it's a print. Now, we were given three shirts. They're, they're all retro. And we thought it would be most appropriate that we went with the IVECO one. So, the 1984 season, when we got to our first ever FA Cup final. Uh, there were some other corkers in there as well. So, that bl- uh, dark blue and white bl- uh, punt. Yeah,
0: I really like that one.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the other one was... Um, Solvite I think uh, from memory but we've we've gone with the Ivico one but here's who's to, uh, to say that we won't be giving away the other ones as well if this goes down well, all you've got to do is make sure that you follow us and you follow them as well on Twitter uh, and you've got the chance to enter on Twitter or Instagram as well and what we're going to do is because this podcast comes out on Wednesday, it's not very fair that we ask that you predict the Burnley score because it gives you like a day um, to to enter. So what we're going to do is we want you to send in your score predictions for the Southampton home game on Sunday. So all that we want is if you just make sure you follow us, you send your score prediction of what you think the Southampton score will be and who you think the first goal scorer of the match will be as well. Um, So as long as you've done those two things, you'll be in with a chance of entering. If more than one person guesses the correct score then we'll you'll go into a hat and you'll be randomly drawn out and then obviously we'll contact the winner but yeah all you need to do to be in with a chance of winning is follow us tag a friend as well and you must be following us to be in a chance of winning and tell us your score prediction and your first goal scorer for the Southampton home game on Sunday the 28th of June simple as that and you could be in a chance with winning an IV code print, A4, framed as it is. Um, you'll be in with a chance of winning one of those. So hopefully, that will be the first of many things that we give away. So just our first giveaway. So make sure you tag your friends and let them know as well. And you'll be in the chance with, uh, with, with winning one of those. And they really look really good. Um, I will put a picture out of it as well on our Twitter and Instagrams. So make sure you go and check it out and you uh, you could be in with a chance of winning. Um, and I think to finish up um, very, very quickly, we don't want to dwell on this too much. Um, again, it might be something that we, we talk about in a later episode. Um, I want to talk about the new stadium um, plans. So I'm sure you've all seen on Twitter at the moment Watford of... Thinking about building a thirty thousand seater. I think it is Ben. Yeah,
0: that's right. Yeah, thirty thousand
1: seater. Yeah, at Bushy Hall Golf Club, which I've is about a mile and a half away from Vicarage Road Stadium at the moment. Um, from when I checked this morning at twenty second of June at nine ten a.m., the signatures were on three thousand nine hundred and seventy one on the. Um, there's a a change page, change.org page, a petition to make sure that we don't. And they only need five thousand, so I'm sure by the time of us, um, it will probably have gone up. So, yeah, it's um, it's it's going up rapidly at the moment. Uh, what, firstly, what are your thoughts at the moment on actually moving to a new stadium? Are you a fan of it, or are you not a fan of it? Um.
0: It's 50-50, really. Love Vicarage Road. Love the memories there. But also, if we're a team that wants to progress, we want to maybe take it the club to the next stage. A new stadium is probably vital for us. Um, so I'm 50-50. I'd love us to stay at Vicarage Road. And let's be honest, I don't think we can maybe develop Vicarage Road into a 30,000-seater stadium uh, with, the, with, with the houses like so close and you've got the hospital and mm. you've got the allotments. and I don't think i think it's going to be a stretch um so yeah i'm 50 50 on that one um we'd also like a new stadium a nice shiny new stadium and seeing what we can achieve in that um but it's all financially isn't it for the the pot i think they're probably you're going to get more bums on seats you probably get more um sponsorship deals as well so yeah we'll see um I can see why there's a petition out though, uh, for the locals that live in that area for a football um, team to start building on a golf club and bringing loads of traffic and whatnot over to the area. But um, Yeah, we'll see what happens. I, I doubt it would get approved and we'll have to look at another site.
1: Yeah, uh, and I mean, I, I, I agree with you to an extent. Um, I think they were on about, I, I don't know if, it was just rumours because I've not seen anything since, but they're on about maybe making the Sir Elton John stand sort of double tiered, uh, two tiers, I should say. Uh, Whether that would take it up to 30,000, I don't know, but I did see someone on Twitter earlier. It
0: does look nice.
1: It does look very nice. Um, I saw someone on Twitter earlier say, really, we need to be making sure that we pack out our stadium at the moment Because last season we had the biggest report of no shows on match day, which is why they've really stamped down on it this season. That's why you've got to email the club now if you can't go. Exactly, which I didn't do on Saturday. Oops. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, um, so you've got that, and I think really. Ideally, you'd be really pushing for European football because then, obviously, if you'd be in a brand shiny new stadium or whatnot. But I can certainly understand where the locals are coming from. Like you said, it brings in—they're worried about it bringing increased traffic, increased carbon pollution, and increased noise pollution. Um, there's also reports as well. Now, I just want to say before I say what it is, this is just based on what has been indicated on the Change.org site. They're not our views here. Apparently, if they if the stadium was to go ahead, that would mean that Bushy Hall Golf Club Clubhouse would have to close down. Therefore, it would be forcing 100 years of history down the drain. So, obviously, a lot of sentimental value would be gone there. And I understand the sort of um, worries that it would have for the locals if, if it's been around that long. Uh, and then, more worrying. Um, how bloody far would it be from Walkabout then? You well, know, we, we meet walk Walkabout <laughs> and Bosley's pretty much. Exactly, yeah. I, I, and I, I had to look into this, didn't I? I had to look she into did. this to see
0: how long it would take us to walk from Walkabout to the new potential um, football ground. And it would be 37 minutes walk. Maybe on a summer's day, that's not too yeah. bad. But on a cold, <laughs> wintry day, I think I might have to get a cab or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. Burnley at home on a Tuesday night when it's peeing down. It's, it's not the most appealing walk um, before a game. So, yeah, it's... Um, gonna be interesting to see what develops with that but like I say it's early it's, stages isn't it sir? it is very and they were they were on very early um well they were very close to the five thousand signatures. In fact if you probably check now they've probably hit the five thousand. Uh but yeah it's very early days as you are saying is it five we'll, we'll thousand signatures
0: happens. to get stopped or five thousand signatures to be debated? Uh
1: five thousand for it to be debated in whatever it is because um, i think it was a conservative mp that
0: actually started this page yeah as well, it didn't was it? bushy so. conservatives
1: um so i'm not sure what happens when they get to 5,000. i think it goes to um parliament or sunny I, I don't know um
0: not into your politics are you no
1: not into my <laughs> politics uh don't know my boris johnson's from my um jeremy corbyn's or whatever um but yeah, I think that about sums it up. It's a little bit longer than we thought, but we had a lot to squeeze in. Obviously, the first game back, Burnley um, away, uh, stadium, competition. But I think we've uh, we've hit the nail on the head there and we've answered some questions that we've got. So again, thanks for sending those in. But as always, Ben, it's uh, it's been a pleasure to speak to you.
0: Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me again. Uh, Enjoyed no doing it and hopefully next week we'll make it a tiny bit shorter for everyone to listen to but, yes, uh, yes. this is all down to Mike baffling on so, sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah, No, I, uh, <laughs> I, I'll learn to cut that out one day guys um, but yeah no, that, that rounds it up so thanks very much for listening uh, especially if you've listened uh, to the last episode and this episode and if you're a, a first timer welcome and thanks for listening as well and uh, we, we really hope you enjoy and yeah don't forget to get those score predictions in and hopefully, the next time we'll speak to you, we would have just got three points at Surfmore, and we'll be raring to go for Southampton's visit to Vicarage Road on Sunday the 28th. So again, from me, Mike Duffy, and my co-host, Ben Ayton, thank you very much for listening. Um, enjoy the rest of your week and come on, you horns. Come on, you horns. Yeah! Podcast Network.